Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. LeBron James says he's better than 90, maybe 95% of the league. Is he right? And is that good enough? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter uh, how or where you're getting your podcast, it's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube, so we can go hang out with over 17,000 subscribers to that channel, all of whom are excited about a, a big offseason with real potential for the Lakers following this run to the Western Conference Finals. Um, and... Uh, we do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tick, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, obviously, Andy, with uh, with the uh, excitement of exit interviews in the rearview mirror, um, a lot of attention being paid to the possibility that LeBron James might retire. But let's assume for a second he does come back. Um, one of the the things that was in that uh, article from Dave McMenamin, one of the many pieces of reporting on this possible retirement was LeBron James saying to Dave um, that he believes that he is still better than 90 to 95% of the league. You know, that's one reason why he might want to come back and keep playing. He's got a lot left to give. It's not because he doesn't feel like uh, – not. there's no washed king here. Um this to me is interesting on a ton of levels. Um, the first one is an admission there that he is not the best. Like there's sort of a, a, a you know an implicit thing there where he's saying I'm better than ninety to ninety five percent of the league. By definition, he's not saying I am the best player. And for a long time, that was his position. And he was correct, I think. Um, but I, you know, I think there is an acknowledgement in that that okay, I'm I'm probably not the best player night in and night out in the league anymore. I thought that that was something that struck me as interesting. Well, I mean, that was pretty much already there when he talked about having to consider his future in the game in the first place. Like, it, if he were still able to perform on a game in game out, you know, thirty five to forty minute basis as the best player in the game there would be nothing to think about other than just trying to explain how he is this medical and scientific marvel who can manage to do this at age 38 and still mm -hmm. be indisputably the best. But you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's a tacit admission of that. Otherwise there would be nothing to even genuflect over at all. Yeah. You know, just, He's just coming back because why wouldn't he? Because he's it's the best just, you know, he, but even as like, as you know, when he reads, there there's right. There's, there's been no some debate. There's been some debate, at least a little bit on like where LeBron uh, is relative to the, the best players in the league from when the Lakers acquired him until now. And, you know, LeBron, certainly when the Lakers acquired him, his public position, and I'm sure his internal belief was there is no player in the NBA that is better than me. Um, and time and, results and you know health and all that stuff i think has shaved a little bit of that off and I, I you know i just found it interesting that he was you know kind of 
conceding that point. The other part, obviously, that people latched on to are, is the idea that he's better than 90 to 95% of the league. And if you start breaking it down, um, I don't think there's any question he is better than nine out of every 10 players in the NBA. I, I'll concede to him that he's in the top 95% of the league. Um, you know, when you start to like really look at how many players are there, um, any, any argument with, with like where he puts himself in the league right now? No, uh, I mean, somewhere between 95 to, I don't know. I mean, somewhere between 90 to like I don't 96 or whatever. I, I think it is accurate. Um, what I found interesting about it puts it, him though, in the top, it puts him well into the top 20 is basically what that says. Well, it depends on 90 versus 95. 95, I'm saying. 95 would put him at around 22, 23, something like mm-hmm. that, or higher. Um, 90 puts him at around 45. There's approximately 450 players in the NBA. If he is in that top 10%, that would make him in at least in the top, say, 45. What I found interesting about this isn't like the idea of where exactly you land LeBron on that as far as like number eight versus number 12 versus number seven. Like I couldn't give less of a bleep about landing on the exact number. Right. What I did find interesting, though, was the idea of what that exactly means mm-hmm. to be in the top 90% versus the top 95% versus in, the top in, 98. Like, because, because I, I think most people to just to, you know, to finish setting up your point, like most people would agree, yeah, LeBron's probably a top 10 guy, top 15 at the very worst. When you look around the league, you know, just put up 40 points and, you know, near triple double in game four. Um, like he, nobody disputes that he's still really, really effective, but to your point, well, I was just thinking about this in terms of what it takes to be, you know, the guy on a championship team, sort of the center of it, that everything is built Mm -hmm. around versus the high end number two versus a, a key player on a championship team. And thinking about this also through the specific context of, even if for LeBron, the talent is still there, and I don't think anybody would dispute that, the ability to summon it at its highest peak whenever he needs it and the availability, that is not there. And again, Mm -hmm. that is something that LeBron is even conceding because, again, if that wasn't the case, there would be nothing to think about with his future or at least present as thinking about with his future because – it wouldn't make any sense if you're right. Still- you and I are taking the at least the possibility that he actually is talking about really retiring more seriously, I think, than other people. But we are still obviously also very aware that it can be a lot of other things from fatigue to leverage to uh, any other number. We just don't of, think it has things. to be one thing and one thing only. It can be Correct. a bunch of different things. And LeBron is also at a place where naturally you would be thinking about this stuff. Um, but like the ringer, for example, they have an NBA rankings that they, that they work on that that's fluid. And, you know, none of this is the definitive Bible, but it does provide a a certain blueprint. And I was looking at say top 45 for the 10%, top 10% of the league. They have 45 Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is a very good NBA player who we have seen definitionally can be a key part of a championship team. I think when Golden State won in 2022, he was the second best player, second most important player on that team. Certainly was the second most 
productive in terms of just statistical production. Andrew Wiggins is nowhere close to good enough to be like the centerpiece of a championship team. He can be a key part of it, but nowhere close. Then you start looking at like the top 5%. And they have at 22, Paul George. Paul George is a really, really good player when he's healthy on both sides of the ball. He can absolutely, I think, assuming he can be part of a team that actually stays healthy, I think Paul George can absolutely be a part of deep playoff runs, maybe, you know, maybe a championship run, a key part of it. Paul George is not good enough to be a number one. Paul George has even said. I was about to say, you know who the source on that is, is Paul George. Right. He's told you as much. So that's that right there is sort of the baseline for the top 5% of the league, roughly. Paul George. Okay, so hold hold this thought here for a second because how you're framing this is, is, I think, critically important for thinking about all of these questions. We started talking about it. Uh, on Thursday's show, example with for example with D'Lo, uh, with D'Angelo Russell, and whether the Lakers should bring him back and at what price, and you know how good is he relative to the rest of the league, and the type of roster that you have to build around him, which is relevant for the whole, you know, strip it down for Kyrie thing or you know run it back, you know, as your two basic options. How you're framing this, especially with LeBron, is critical. So let's get to that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Game Time. And years ago, some friends of mine and I, we went to go see LL Cool J at the old, uh, now uh, defunct House of Blues in LA. Uh, Really last minute, didn't know how to get tickets, got them from Scalper. Turned out they were fake. Managed to kind of luck our way into the building. But after that, I was like, I'm never going through the Scalper route again. Never going to go through the last ticket, last minute tickets route again. And you don't have to, at least not without some confidence, if you're using Game time. It's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports and music and comedy shows and theater near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets that will be real and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun. And they offer things like images of the seat views, the lowest price guarantee, the event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and the game time guarantee means you will always have the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps. The tickets go directly to your phone and then you're set. So snag the tickets without the stress using game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, then redeem the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so um in the in the open of the show, I kind of put a couple questions out there when we you know noted that that quote from LeBron, better than 90 to 95% of the league. First one was, is he correct? The answer is yes. Uh, the second question is the one, though, that's really interesting as it pertains to the Lakers in this offseason is, is it good enough for him to be, you know, better than 95? And the answer is, I think, sort of what you're getting at here, which is, well, it kind of depends. Yeah. I mean, it, the reason I even started thinking about this before we even get to where LeBron ends up on this list and starting to think about the people around him comparatively, all that stuff is I think fans and I think NBA media, I think sometimes even maybe players themselves can underestimate just how hard it is to win championships or to be the guy 
on a championship team. And, you know, conversely, I think they sometimes undervalue the importance of somebody who can be the third best player on a championship team. Like those guys are. Yeah, we'll get to that. There was a couple of interesting comments that were left regarding Russell in our show for Thursday. Like get to that. You know, the third banana on a championship team, somebody proven that they can do that. Like your Chris Bosch's, your, your Clay Thompson's, uh, you know, the role that Lamar Odom had with the Lakers and the back-to-back runs with Kobe and Powell. Like those players are in the, high end of you know the pecking order when it comes to just how good you have to be it's really hard but anyway in terms of lebron found lebron on this list he is listed at 12 which would put him i guess somewhere around the upper 3% of that you know 5% that he claims he's still in the players around him Again, this is just the ringer's ranking. It's nothing definitive, but gives you a blueprint. Anthony Davis at 10. Devin Booker at 11. Braun at 12. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 13. Damian Lillard, 14. Donovan Mitchell, 15. Their abilities as players that you feel definitively confident as the player that can be built around for a championship team. Obviously, the pieces around them matter. You need high-end talent, all those caveats. But there is still that layer of the guy you feel confident as the focal point and everything that comes with it. That baseline's so damn high, man. Like, it's really high. And then with LeBron specifically, there's all those layers of complications of age, availability, right. you know, what it means to be doing this Three rounds in, four rounds in. It's really, really hard. And I think, like, there's no question. There's a certain amount of talent is required. And that talent can be expressed in pure scoring. It can be in defense. Joel Embiid is number four on this list. And nobody would dispute that he could be, like, the fourth best player in the NBA. But there are a lot of people wondering whether or not Joel Embiid actually can be the centerpiece of a championship team. Well, Giannis did it. And then he did it like, and and then, but then they got eliminated the first round this year. Is that he did Giannis suddenly get like too crappy to carry a team? Like, there are so many things that go into this, like you were talking about. And for the Lakers in particular, like LeBron, I don't think there's any question, like in short spurts, you know, in a series, not even over seven games in a seven game series, he's going to pick his spots even in over the course of seven games, whether that's from game to game or within games, um, especially if the NBA is going to continue doing this every other day thing, which is just insane. Um, like he, you from in any individual game, and this is true of anybody in that top 15. This is why these rankings and the, the people who obsess over them, you know, usually fans, I think lose the, the, the point here because on any given day Damian Lillard can be the best player in the NBA like we've seen him do shocking things on a on a court he's hit series to winning. the Lakers <laughs> right? like, he, no I'm just saying he's had two series winning walk-off shots yes like he clearly is capable of doing great things he has broken up teams <laughs> but Damian Lillard also we've seen like there is help required as yes. great as he is as a scorer and a playmaker and a leader. 
Right. That's why, I mean, I like tiers as much as I And LeBron is an interesting, hard player to tier because his game-to-game ability is different than his 82-game availability, which is like all of these things. And so if you're going to build a team around LeBron, you need, and this is why the, you know, the, the D'Lo conversation, for example, the run it back versus strip it down for Kyrie conversation, all these things. To get LeBron to a play, like there's no question. I, I have been, to say the least, um, skeptical of the idea of, of doing things to bring Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. You well, have been Kyrie, much- by the way, yeah, he's happy ahead. to hear that, Brian, because Kyrie would prefer, he, he went on Instagram uh, a couple days ago to let everybody know he is tired of the rumors and the speculation and mm. all these people hyper obsessing over what team he's going to be a part of. Um, part of what he told uh, his fans on Instagram, quote, stop mentioning me on Twitter. All y'all fan bases, stop mentioning me right now, please. It's still the Eastern and Western Conference finals. Can y'all please leave me the F out of this? Please. Can I just be with my family in peace? Y'all got people at my dinner table discussing what my free agent plans are. Stop that. Y'all think it's funny. Please stop that. Like, I actually like having peace of mind when I'm at the crib. I see y'all mentions. I see all stuff. I see y'all be saying, see y'all fan bases. I get it. And I'm just as excited as y'all are, but you got to chill. All y'all fan bases, stop mentioning me for just the next month or two or three, whenever I make my decision. Mm. This, of course, is coming on the heels of Kyrie Irving at least twice that I'm aware of actively, knowingly fueling the gossip by showing up to Laker playoff games every time D'Angelo Russell just happens to be struggling. Um. And look, I want to just make this clear. I get why Kyrie does this, and I have no problem with him doing it because part of this is a leverage play to not even just the Lakers, to Dallas, to anybody that yeah, could to be... Get, to get a full max and all these other right, things that he like, More power to Kyrie doing this. I have no problem with Kyrie showing up to Laker games to generate interest, to mind bleep D'Angelo Russell into a bad game. So, I mean, like, you know, D'Angelo, if that actually happened, if D'Angelo Russell is even aware of it, it's on him to be strong enough. All I'm saying, though, is if you're going to troll, lean into the trolling. Like, have fun with the trolling. Like, don't troll, then complain that you're getting the reaction that you're trying to get by trolling. Like, that's the worst kind of troll. And honestly, it's a habit Kyrie has when he trolls. Well, yeah, he's, he a provo- no- he's a provocateur who gets upset when people get provoked. Um, right. I, I, I have say, no problem with him showing up to the game. No, Do your thing. But I, on, the other thing I would say is if, if you feel like the people at your dinner table are uh, talking too much about your free agency, invite different people to dinner. Uh, uh, but anyway. And you so, probably bought the dinner. You're, you're allowed to dictate the dinner conversation. It was probably. I to agree with you. Probably on um, Kyrie. He's known for being generous. So, so dictate so, the return. But back to this LeBron thing. When we when we get back from, from we'll take a break. And when we get back, I, I want to I want to kind of talk about how why this question of where LeBron is and whatever is so critical for how the Lakers think about roster construction because the the the, the, the answers to those questions that we asked at the top of the show are directly related to how the Lakers ought to consider. The, the the type of team that they put together for next year. So we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the makers of shorts and pants that feature the future of comfort, which is built in underwear. It's 
kind of like a layer of boxer brief that's one with the clothing stitched inside the shorts of the pants. They call it Comfort Kingdom, and you can rule this land in your bird dogs. You, you can look better. You can feel great while wearing the bird dogs. The stretchy fabric makes your legs, my legs, everybody's legs look great, and they are comfier than other shorts or pants. They got versatility. You can wear the same pants or shorts on a golf course, on a work meeting, on a date, all in the same day if you want. Perfect tire for grilling I'm sure a lot of people are going to be doing that over this long weekend. Um, they're forgiving in the midsection if you need a little more stretch, a little more room, and you can still look great in the process. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs style Yeti tumbler with every order. Look at this. It's really, really nice in and of itself worth the order. I use mine all the time. So get yours, get some shorts or pants, get some bird dogs. Um, okay. So a couple housekeeping things here. Um, Lakers draft workouts are beginning. Uh, that's today. And some people are in the building. You've got your Maxwell Lewis and your Adam Fleglers and your Leonard Millers all, all in the building among others. And this is going to be something that, that goes on for you know, really up up through the draft, the Lakers obviously have a first round pick, um, and then a pick again in the second round somewhere around. I think it's like forty seven or something like that. It is forty seven. Um, and so we'll uh, we'll obviously crank up the draft coverage and the scouting reports and all that stuff as we get closer to the draft, and it becomes we get a little more clarity on who the Lakers are really zeroing in on. Um, but it, it does point Andy to, and it's related to the conversation with LeBron, like what they're planning on doing with this pick, whether it's to actually select a human being to come join their team, a young person um, to, to try to draft and, and potentially even play next year, whether they're going to try to package that into a, a trade. Um, it is one of the many live possibilities that Rob Palenka carries into this offseason based on what he did at the deadline in reshuffling the roster and making it so they have all of these potential contracts to either bring back or trade or whatever. But it kind of only works that way if you actually do lean into the idea of you know something along the lines of kind of running it back. And yeah. you know the and we'll we'll talk about that you know a lot over the summer, but like why this matters to LeBron, if you're gonna if you're going to put your playoff hopes on LeBron James in part and Anthony Davis in large part or whatever, you need the best version of those guys that you can possibly get going into the postseason. To get there, you need a team that is going to be capable of staying in the top three, top four, whatever it might be, provide the type of load management that everybody's going to want to be able to have um, and all that, so you're not scrambling over the last two and a half months just to make sure you have a decent spot in the playoffs. For the Lakers to do that, they're going to need to go 12 or 13 deep. I, I don't see how you can, on the one hand, say LeBron James is a core piece of our championship recipe and then gut your team depth as if the 82 games that get you to the playoffs don't matter. Yeah, I mean, that's one... when. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you think D'Angelo Russell is purely a regular season player. I don't agree, but let's just run with that presence or run with that premise. It still matters for those 82 games. So if he can be very helpful in the 82 games and then you have to worry about the playoffs 
once you're there. If that's the cost of doing business when it comes to having LeBron his relatively freshest possible, mm-hmm. then that is, at least to me, worth the cost of doing business. You know, same, it makes somebody- same thing at a smaller expense with Jared Vanderbilt, who showed himself yeah. to be a potentially vulnerable playoff player, but a guy who's incredibly valuable during the regular season. Yeah, it's also you know really important when you think about somebody like Max Christie, who is going to be playing in the summer league, and I know we're both going to be really interested in seeing how he looks because the summer league can be very revealing when it comes to second-year players. Like if a rookie struggles during summer league, which was what happened with Max Christie, he frankly looked awful in the summer league, it doesn't necessarily matter. And frankly, his regular season was much better than I thought it would be based off his summer league. Like even his preseason, I was like, wow, this kid's gotten a lot better in like three months. Mm Mm-hmm. When second league players, second year players, even the ones that don't play a ton in the regular season, when they struggle in in the summer league, that can be a little alarming. Um, and I think Christie's going to have a real opportunity for a role this upcoming year. So that's definitely going to be something else to keep an eye on. Hey, he's also apparently gotten taller. He said, "Yeah, um, yeah, so he, that's cool." He, he told Dave McMen- uh, Dave McMenamin was on Zach Lowe's uh, The Low Post podcast, uh, part of the ESPN NBA coverage. Everybody should listen to that one. But after Max's exit interview, uh, Dave McMenamin just you know walked up to him, told him, you know, have a good summer, expla- exchange some pleasantries, that stuff. But he noticed that Max looked taller to him. And he asked him if he grew during the season, and Max said that he did. He didn't give the exacts, but... That in and of itself is noteworthy. Like an extra inch or so could make the difference in you know where you can be slotted to play. Oh yeah, you know, reach all that stuff. It, it matters. It does, um, and it, it also points to the, the value of having young guys around. Is it's like can, they can literally grow <laughs> in ways that you do not expect. Um, yeah, as great as LeBron is, he ain't getting any taller. Yeah, but He's only you know, shrink. But whether you're talking about Max Christie, like Max Christie being a league average player next year, let's say that. Mm-hmm. Let's say, because this gets to we had a really interesting comment from, uh, and it's quite a long one, from RC Kim on the on the YouTube page today. It was, this is in reaction to the D-Lo um, show that we did for Thursday, which I will say was not quite as heavily tilted to run him out of town on a rail um, than, than I thought it would be. Um, there were more people who were like, you know what? He had a lot of good moments in the playoffs and he's worth keeping around at the right price. You know, not 30 million, but maybe 20 and so on and so on. RC says this, and it was, it was interesting, you know, about D'Lo. He knows that even if he killed himself to improve every off season, he might go from being like the 65th best, best player, uh, around, uh, in the league to maybe around 50th, which would have zero impact on his legacy or his standing in the league as a pretty good player. Um, Again, lots more to this comment, and you know, go check it out on the YouTube page. And I don't, again, it's similar thing. I don't even mean to talk to this like, is he the 65th best player or the 50th best player? No, that's actually probably a little high. I think when you know, when you talk about like Andrew Wiggins, you said was like 44. Like Wiggins is probably a better player than D'Lo, I think. Yeah. Um, would you agree with traded that? For each other. Yeah. yeah, they were traded for I each mean, other. I mean, especially when you factor in defense. Oh yeah, um, no, no. But, I, I think Wiggins is better than D'Angelo Russell. But let's say let's say D'Lo is top seventy-five in the league. 
First of all, that player is actually much more expensive than anybody wants to to really think about. That player will cost you twenty million dollars at least. He's one hundred twenty four on the ringers list. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, and he, look, he's not going to make thirty million dollars again or whatever. No, but no I, he's I, not. But let's let's say that is the hundredth best player or something like that, or the ninety fifth. It's like once you get past like seventy five, seventy five through one hundred and twenty five, sometimes is a matter of taste. Whether you're talking about Russell, look to put it quickly in perspective. You know, D'Lo is 124 in this ringer list. The players around him: Dylan Brooks, Markel Fultz. Who, if people aren't aware, he has really resuscitated his career. Like a really nice season. Yeah, yeah. He's Jared Vanderbilt, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Trey Murphy with the Pelicans, Quentin Grimes, Malik Monk, Kyle Lowry. Bobby Portis, Valanciunas. I would these say are, these are useful players. Right. I would personally put D'Lo ahead of some of those guys, at least. But point is, they're all useful NBA players. Yeah. And yeah. broadly, and again, this gets to the, the the how you construct a team around LeBron and AD thing, and why I think it's so important to bring somebody like D'Angelo Russell back. That let's say he's ninetieth, which doesn't leap off the page. Let's say Max Christie is league average last year. Goes from somewhere below average, like pretty good for a 19-year-old, but below average, below league average in terms of his output performance and all that other kind of stuff. The difference between being in the 25th percentile and the 50th percentile is a massive boost to the Lakers. Having two or three guys who are in that 75 to 150 place where Austin Reeves is now, absolutely, um, where D'Angelo probably is, where you hope Rui Hachimura ascends to. Not was not there going into this season, small sample size, but the playoffs certainly indicated he could have that kind of value. What separates the good teams from the great te- teams, I think, isn't just their stars. It's how many of those guys do you have? How many of those 75 to 150? That aren't Denver's stars. a perfect example of it. Denver's yes, a are. great example of that. And that's the kind of team that you need to build around LeBron and AD. Because I, you know, as reluctant as I was when we started talking about this with the, you know, the, before we got into Kyrie's Instagram, like I saw the value, like the utility of having Kyrie there. And if you could just isolate just one series and say the same kind of starting lineup, the same basic team, but Kyrie Irving's in there instead of D'Angelo Russell. Hell yes, that makes a difference. But that's not the world we actually live in. Like if Kyrie is on the team, it means many, 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 many other people who are part of this rotation or potentially part of it for both the regular season and the playoffs aren't. Um, unless Kyrie just decides he's willing to play for $8 million a year or whatever. And I don't think that's a recipe for success, short-term or long-term with this team, beyond even the do you want to hit your wagon to Kyrie long-term thing. Well, you know, the other thing too, though, with LeBron and where he ranks, you know, in the in the NBA pecking order, you know, there had been there's been a lot of talk about Anthony Davis's shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Zach Lowe was on ESPN's get up and he ended up kind of on a soliloquy about how when it comes to Anthony Davis, the conversations often get unserious in his mind, I think kind of accurately, in the sense that nobody ever brings up what he does defensively while getting into these hypercritical looks at his offense. Right. And, you know, like there is a discussion to be had, and you and I have had it about, you know, Anthony Davis's 
inconsistency at the highest level of scoring. But at the same time, he averaged 26 points a game last season. Like, that's not nothing. He is one of the best scorers at his position in the league by a mile. It's basically like him, Jokic, Embiid, and everybody else. And in the meantime, what AD does defensively is among, if not the best, in the league. But what what I think gets lost in this conversation about Anthony Davis's scoring, and you know, for a refresher, he was ranked 10th on this ringer list, is that his scoring really matters most because he's paired up with LeBron James, who we know needs this help at this stage of his of his career and for a preservation standpoint and all that. Like if LeBron was still 31, 32. Not only would nobody criticize Anthony Davis's scoring, they would talk about it as being unfair that mm -hmm. a scorer like that is with LeBron James. The problem is specific to this pairing where Anthony Davis is as a, an unquestioned number one offensive focal point, where he is in terms of that station matters more specifically paired with LeBron than just about any other superstar in the league. Yeah. And look, if say like Austin Reeves can become like a consistent 20 point per score game next year, or Rui Hachimura can become that guy next year with the Lakers. 15 to 20 of this, those guys, sure. Yeah. Some of this stuff with Anthony Davis's scoring becomes less of an issue, but it's still a thing like the idea of being the guy who can get you those buckets in the most critical points of the most high leverage games. It matters most with Anthony Davis specifically because of where LeBron is in a lot of ways. It's more about LeBron than AD. Mm -hmm. It's all this. And we'll get into this. We're going to take Monday off for the holiday. We'll get back in, you know, into this for Tuesday. All of this is, all of this is relevant. I think it's a great point. Like you know, in, in, you know, the, 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 the pairing of those guys. And I, I said this when we were talking earlier in the season, like, do you trade them? I was like, not if your goal is to be good. I mean, you can trade them to blow it up and rebuild, but if you're good, like, you can't find players that are better than that combination by trading them. You just won't get it back. You, it won't happen. Um, but you have to then understand the strengths and weaknesses of that pairing and build a roster around it accordingly. So we'll talk about that starting on Tuesday. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out with uh, 17,000 plus subscribers, uh, all of whom will be enjoying their holiday weekends, we hope, and we will see everybody on Tuesday.